You are listening to I Hate Average Podcast featuring Jay from the Bronx. Alright, so I'm back. I Hate Average Podcast. It's Jay. Wow, it's been a couple of weeks. Haven't talked to y'all in a while. But back at it. I'm excited. We got a, another cool guest. Our last guest, Sevilla Morgan. Um, great guest. Great insight. Definitely a different conversation. We were speaking about the 21st Century Hannah Project and um, being motherless not by choice. So definitely some cool information, a different type of episode, different type of conversation. But this week we're back with something a little bit more lighthearted. We got Harry Tarjanian from the Beige Phillip Show podcast. Um, that podcast is about, uh, it's a comedy slash relationship podcast. But um, we did. I didn't want to deal with the, uh, the relationship uh, advice aspect of, of Harry. I wanted to talk to him about what it's like, you know, being a comedian, what got him started in comedy, um, some of his, you know, friends and family's reaction towards him being a comedian and not taking the, uh, the usual path, um, him being an immigrant and still deciding, you know, let me take the entertainment route instead of becoming a lawyer, a doctor, you know, like, basically how your, your family would want you to be um so it was definitely a cool conversation i had with harry tarjanian uh <laughs> you're gonna see some some you're gonna hear an aspect of me um something that i didn't even <laughs> know existed but i guess i'm that guy you know every time someone is around a comedian they kind of want to try to make the comedian laugh so there's a couple of times where i was like what am i doing why why am i saying that to him but it's something that maybe i guess everyone deals with when they're around someone who says who's a comedian you always want to try to make that comedian laugh of course it didn't work he wasn't laughing he was just having a conversation but it's definitely a cool conversation that i had with harry um something that you know you might want to check out and ponder just when um you're dealing with life you, you you're doing things that you're passionate about instead of following the path that that people you assume that people will want you to be but in the end people want you to be happy and of course you got to be happy regardless so <laughs> there is no alternative either you're happy or you're not and we actually end this show on a very motivational tip so definitely check out my conversation with harry here it is All right, everyone. I'm ha- I'm here with Harry Tarjanian. He is a comedian from New York. He has a hit podcast, along with other things, uh, doing voiceover work. I uh, see he's also doing some things with underground wrestling. Uh, Harry, thank you so much for your time. Hey, thanks, buddy. Yeah, I'm doing a lot of too many jobs, but that's <laughs> the business. Definitely, definitely. So I wanted to talk to you just to see how how it is being a, a a New York comedian. I, I like to speak to people who um, take a, a different path in life. And um, definitely being a New York comedian, that's definitely a different path. So how did you get started with that? Well, uh, when I was a kid, I uh, I gravitated towards comedy a lot because I, I loved watching television. Okay. And I was just home all day. I was not really, uh, even though I liked sports, I just didn't like running. I would play sports, but I wouldn't just like run around. Like kids 
you know, kids just run around. I didn't yeah. see the the point of that when TV was so much more interesting. So, <laughs> okay. um, I would watch a lot of TV and then I just started gravitating towards comedy because Comedy Central had just come out. So I'd watch Kids in the Hall and Monty Python and Saturday Night Live and all that stuff. And then uh, also, you know what it was also when I was a kid, there was, uh, there was no kids programming back then, like yeah. 24 hours a day. That's true. So like at night, once eight o'clock hit, they did away with all the kids programming. Yeah. So if you're home, uh, the only thing you could watch was like cops and America's most wanted or whatever <laughs> was on. Yeah, that's comedy and then right there. That, <laughs> yeah. Um, so you'd watch that. Well, no, I couldn't watch it as now I can watch cops and it's funny, but as a kid, I didn't, I didn't find it funny. Yeah. Uh, I just, you know, it was just like bizarre that those people existed. <laughs> people just being arrested for smoking crack and saying, like, this is dark. Now it's hilarious. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, so the point is I would find anything and I would watch, they'd have stand-up comedy shows on at that. And that, that was the thing I gravitate towards though. Okay. So I started enjoying comedy, and then uh, I knew I wanted to do it since I was young, since I was like 14. So I just started writing uh, a lot of material, and then eventually, uh, it wasn't until I was 18 that I finally worked up, oh, you know, the courage. the courage to get on stage while I was still in high school. I think my senior year of high school, I started uh, doing stand-up uh, and going to open mics and bringer shows. That's pretty cool. Like that. It- it's interesting to me because it's like comedians do every day everyone else's greatest fear. Everyone's greatest fear is public speaking, and that's what comedians wish to do. It's interesting to me. Well, it's it's, it's also really ironic because I am maybe not as much now, but definitely I was super shy as a kid, like really, wow. really shy. Like I didn't like talking to anybody. Although looking back, the only time I – uh I didn't mind doing like oral presentations or anything where you got to speak in front of the class. I, I liked doing that. Okay. Even though, I, because it was like a captive audience, but yeah, day to day, I don't, I don't like talking to people. <laughs> I don't have to, <laughs> not because I don't want to. I just kind of like, eh, you know, I just like keep it in myself. Uh, yeah. So everybody's fear is that, which is ironic. Yeah. Uh, I think Kleinfeld once said that, what was his joke about it? Yeah. The, the second, the first fear is, uh, First fear is speaking in public. The second one is death. Yeah. So <laughs> it's, if it's, you're at a funeral, you'd rather be in the box than and... speaking, at, giving the eulogy. <laughs> That's actually it's a good way of thinking about it, but it's true. It's yeah. Very true. <laughs> yeah. So first, um, while we're talking, I want to also admit that that I kind of got the concept of naming the show "I Hate Average Podcast" after I heard the, yeah. the name of your website, "I Hate Comedy." I said, you know oh, what? Let me let me, <laughs> let me take. You know, I always say I listen to your podcast and always listen to you plug your your website. And I said, man, what am I going to name my podcast? And I just said, you know what? I I nice. blo- I blog sometimes and I use the moniker Average J. So I say, you know what? Let me just go with I hate average. <laughs> so well, I, I stole well, plagiarism you. is a sincerest form of flattery. You do realize? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but thank you for the idea. Thank you. <laughs> no, man, go for it. I'm I'm, I'm glad. Yeah, I I hate average too yeah i don't know <laughs> you'd like to be better than than average but you know it's easier said than done but that's yeah. the beauty of it like uh in life you know um think about it this way right like nine ninety nine percent of people who do anything suck at it 
Like, That's if true. you think of just baseball, right? Like, even the worst baseball player in the major leagues is better than 99% of the people who play baseball at any given moment. <laughs> You're absolutely right. Like, right. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, no matter what, you know, there's always somebody worse, I guess. <laughs> You're right. You're right. So, so when you first started comedy, can you are you able to admit were you bad or is something that you kind of grasp kind of easily? Well, in theory, everybody is bad when they first start doing comedy. Um, I did something that not a lot of people do. I started. I knew I wanted to do comedy at like thirteen or fourteen, but the idea, like, well, where do you go at thirteen or fourteen? You know, and I was like, I, I'm not allowed to go. In hindsight, you know. I also wasn't living in New York at the time. I, I was born here, but I did about two years or so in uh, Florida. Oh, wow. And so um, in my head, it's like, all right, well, where do I go to do comedy? I guess I can't go anywhere. So I'll just, I just would write down ideas and bits. So uh, I spent about four years writing before I ever stepped foot on a stage before I finally was able to do that. So my material was actually pretty good for somebody who had never done it before yeah, because you- he was ready. Yeah, was... I went through the... Well, everybody who starts in comedy sucks. Like, yeah. you just... That's the only way to get good is to... Just a process of trial and error. Yeah. And you can take all the joke writing classes and people can give you... But you just have to write bad joke after bad joke until you weed it out. And then you kind of learn how to... What's funny and what's interesting and what works for your style. So I managed to do that before I ever stepped foot on stage. So I wasn't that bad. My, my, my stage presence needed work. But the other thing about comedy is, um, unfortunately, it's not about who's the funniest all the time. Mm. So there were a lot of people who had been in the business and were hosting shows that I was on that I was already funnier than. Not often, yeah. but, but, they but was hosting. whoever's hosting. Yeah. yeah, well, whoever's hosting the, you know, bringer show or the you know, the crappy uh, open mic usually is not the best of the best. You know what I mean? Like those people don't, you know, Bill Burr right now isn't hosting any, you know, the 42nd stringer shows or open mics. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, but I wasn't great at it. It, it, You know, it took a while to get really to the level I want to be at and to the level where I was a really strong comedian yeah, it takes a lot of time before it, most people suck when they start. Definitely. Yes. <laughs> okay. I can understand that. So when you, your family, cause it's something, you know, everyone's family wants them to, to be great in school, go to college and, and be doctors or lawyers. When you, you grasp yourself, you know, I want to go into comedy and I want to be serious about it. Was your family, were they into it or you just didn't care? Uh, I knew enough to know at that point that I didn't care what my family thought, that I, I knew they weren't going to like it uh, to the point where I didn't tell them I was doing comedy for about two months when I first started doing it. I mean, the only problem was I was at that point, I, I never went out anywhere before comedy. Like I didn't go to part. I didn't do anything. I just stayed home every night. And then all of a sudden, starting around like April or May of 2001, Going out every night. I, every, I was out every night till like one or two in the morning and coming back. And then my mom was still doing my laundry at that point because she yeah. did everyone's laundry in the house. So she smelled my clothes, they reek of cigarettes. Back then you could still, 
you could still smoke in bars and clubs, even though they had like a non-smoking section, which was a joke because, you know, it's like (laughs) half the room room, smoking section. (laughs) Yeah. They would have an in-room and not, and there was no like ventilation. It was ridiculous. So, and so they were like worried about that, but, uh, but I wasn't drinking and I, you know, they couldn't really say much, but when they did find out about it, they were not particularly supportive, but I knew at that point that I did not care. Um, I knew that they, that, you know, I, to, to some extent, I understand why they wouldn't be thrilled about it because, you know, they're immigrants from another country. And so yeah. they come here with the hope that, you know, you're going to achieve something great and you decide that you're going to go off and join the circus. <laughs> it's not exactly, yeah. you know, what they, the whole purpose of them coming over here, but exactly. that's not you know, the American, American dream at all. That's the <laughs> No, not for them. Yeah, they're like, well, how are you supposed to? Because I understand when you come from another, especially where they came from, there weren't any comedians in like, there there were no Armenian comedians or Ecuadorian comedians that that you made your money that way because that's where my parents are from, different countries. So they're like, what is this all about? Where are you going? What are you doing? Like, don't you want to go make some money? For them, I wasn't even attempting to make money. To them, they just think I'm going off to tell jokes like that. (laughs) Like, no, I'd like to make money doing this, but it's going to take a while. And it's still, to be honest, I still don't make my full living from doing comedy. I'm not going to pretend that I do, but uh, I understand why they hated it. Yeah, Yeah, the idea of it. Um, They've seen me perform and my mom is, you know, they enjoy it when they come out and my dad doesn't bother me about it uh, anymore. So, Are are they fans? Do they laugh when they go see you? They They laugh when they go see me. My mom hasn't seen me. I, I stopped bringing her, like, 10 years ago, I think I stopped. <laughs> she hasn't been to one in 10 years. Because, uh, I don't remember the last time she just, I think, got into a fight with the manager or something. Oh. <laughs> like, this was early on. I was like, all right, yeah. that's good for you. You can't. That's you it. Can't. No more free um, tickets. No more. Yeah, yeah. Although, I took my dad, and uh, the last time I, my dad came out to see me, I think he, uh, every once in a while, I'll take my dad with me just because uh, we're hanging out or something. And I'll just, yeah, just come with me. Uh, he's got nothing to do. He's like 65. So yeah, he's so like, all right, might like, as well. he's excited about stuff. So. <laughs> I'll take him to all the open mics every once in a while. I don't do a ton, but every once in a while I'll do an open mic or some weird cafe show that he'll come with me. And he has a blast <laughs> and uh, and uh, he enjoys it. Um, and Although one time I took him, uh, he came out to see us perform live. We did the podcast, the Beige Phillips Show podcast live at Caroline's. Okay. And, uh, I think he stole a coffee mug because he wow. felt the coffee was overpriced. So he <laughs> took the so mug with excited. him as sort of a yeah, as a consolation gift. To go, all right, sixteen bucks or whatever they were charging for coffee. And <laughs> it must be like, free if they give. Could have been, yeah, yeah. That's his mentality. Yeah. If it wasn't free, he's like, well, it's free now. Exactly. You're not going to take eight bucks from me or whatever the coffee was. And yeah. So yeah, yeah, but they, they weren't supportive. But you know, it's like it's. It's not their life, you know. They're yeah. and they're certainly also not the the people who I look to 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 find happiness because they weren't happy. <laughs> you know, my dad. My dad's a good guy, and uh, and I've had a lot of fun moments. But ultimately, I don't think he was ever happy, right. like fully content with life because he was busy working seven days a week yeah. to to build everything. You know, trying to follow, I guess, a false American dream that. <laughs> Well, you know what? At the time, it wasn't false. Uh, it's become less and less real. But, I mean, he worked seven days a week. He was able to buy a house, and then they 
took that house, made repairs, sold it, and they bought a better house. And oh, that's great. Then they had enough money. So there was a time where, yeah, the American dream was a real thing. Yeah. Uh, it's just, you know, this is the mid-90s, probably the last the last portion where there was still an opportunity to uh, to work your way up because the economy was was fairly decent, but the the amount minimum wage, you know, minimum wage hasn't gone up that much. I don't remember what it was in 94, but I think in Jersey where I'm living now, it's something like $8.50 is the minimum wage, wow. which is absurd. It's been like uh, that for, what, 10, 15 years, right? <laughs> something like, it might have been, I mean, the last bump might have been like 25 cents eight years ago or, or something like that. Yeah, that's ridiculous. So, you know, the cost of living has gone up, but the money hasn't. So, but back then, yeah, you could work. Uh, and, and he still had to work for it, too. I mean, it wasn't easy. He was, when I say seven days a week, I mean, literally, he was working seven days a week. He was a, uh, he was a wedding videographer on the weekends. Wow. And, um, and during the week, he worked as an AV tech wow. at the NYU College of Dentistry. Wow. So, yeah, he, he, was, uh, he was working his ass off and, you know. <laughs> Yeah. So he's, I guess in his mind, he's saying, you tell he want to be a comedian. I work for this. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. Like I, he literally broke his back so I could tell dick jokes <laughs> and he wasn't exactly thrilled about it, which yeah. I understand. I understand. But at the same time, it's, uh, you know, at the same time, it's your, it's your life and you have to, you have to live it, not them. Oh, so. That's true. Very true. Yeah. So I want to talk. Because you mentioned the Beige Phillips show, you're, you're a co-host on the show, and um, you speak about relationships. So you told me about how you told your family. How do you, let's say you meet a woman, you're interested. How do you go about saying, you know, I'm a comedian? How, do, how does how does that, how is that introduced? To a woman or to my, what do you mean? To, to, a, to a woman, when you, a woman, a prospective woman that you're dating. Oh, that, there's no shame in that. They they like that. It's exotic to them. If anything, I feel bad that they uh, <laughs> they get way too into the idea of, of <laughs> being a comedian uh, because it's actually you're like, oh yeah, you're really excited about this. This is going to be disappointing for you, isn't it? Um, <laughs> yeah, no, that that's never a problem because they they it's very exotic to them because it's okay. a cool profession. So you know it's. It's amazing. It's something most people don't get to do. So there's no shame in that. Uh, okay. the, the shame, there's no shame in that. Uh, it's always annoying when you have another job and you, I try never to tell people at any other job I work that I'm a comedian. Eventually they find out because I also don't, you know, I don't have a false name or a showbiz name or anything. So they'll yeah. find out. But I never want to tell people where when I have a regular job or, you know, when I'm doing uh, contract stuff like video production stuff or people who are you know not in the comedy world yeah. or showbiz uh because then you know it's like oh tell us a joke it's like it doesn't work yeah, that way yeah, i'm trying to work now or, I'm trying to... yeah but not only that but everybody is like oh i bet you write a lot of material about this place like no this place stinks there's nothing going on here <laughs> you guys are funny boring individuals <laughs> yeah no there's nothing funny here it's you know <laughs> until something tragic happens here then now that then but then, then they never bring up <laughs> like when you know somebody gets thrown fired for sexual harassment nobody comes and goes you're gonna write bits about that yeah. like, then i'd be like fuck yeah of course yeah. now that's interesting that's, that's when you funny. take out your pen you know, <laughs> oh did somebody say something racist at work oh well see now that's interesting and funny because it's tragic 
but yeah, day to day, the the copy machine not working. Yeah, I don't have bits on that. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. So, how how long has it been? Uh, you doing comedy? How long has it been? Um, about twelve years at this point. Wow. Something like that. Oh no, wait. It makes no more than that. Jeez, it's been like sixteen years. Wow. I lost track <laughs> of that when I started. But I mean, I didn't. You know, it was. I was kind of doing that and going to school. I mean, I've heavily been pursuing it for the last 10, but even while I was doing uh, comedy, oh, the other part of the reason my parents didn't really give me too much crap about it was I was doing everything they would have wanted me to do. Uh, so you I mean, I wasn't uh, a comedian. Following other passions. Know, yeah, sleeping on in the basement of their house <laughs> or whatever, like with no job. I was still working. Or, you know, I was paying rent. I was going to school. Yeah, so they I graduated complain. from college. Oh, so, cool. yeah, they couldn't fully complain about any of it. Yeah, um, yeah so uh, I forgot your question, ironically. Wait, what oh, was the question? <laughs> and the question was, I, I forgot also. The the question was, oh, I was asking how, lo how long you've been doing comedy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I did answer it. Yeah, about, yeah, about yeah. that long, 16 years. The, the follow-up question I wanted to give was, you know, let's say tomorrow you have a gig. Do you still have that nervousness? Do you still have the same, you know, passion that you had the first time when you was eighteen years old? Um, nervousness? No. Uh, you worried about circumstances. You know, like you read the room and are this room very drunk or are they very dead or are they very silent? You know, you you worry about those things. But no, no nerves. You get. I think the nervousness comes from new things that you new challenges. So. Uh, right now I'm working on doing a set to get on TV. Um, okay. I would assume that I'm not going to be nervous doing TV just because I've done so much stuff. I've done theaters and stuff. And so I look at it as a fairly easy gig once you get there. Yeah. But I don't know. I might be nervous going into that. I, I, I but as far as getting up at a club in front of strangers, no, not nervous. There's no nervous. You worry a little bit of like, or right, how I have to deal with this or whatever. You'd rather it be a good crowd, but. I don't get nervous. I think if you still get nervous after 16 years, it's probably not good. Um, <laughs> do I get excitement? I, some, now, the other thing is sometimes you lose the excitement for it. Mm. But uh, the excitement comes from other things, not just performing. It's working on this new bit that you're working on, writing and creating. That's where you, some of the excitement so comes sometimes from. Sometimes you won't even think about the crowd. You just think about like getting your timing right and getting... I mean, literally sometimes I'm just hanging at a bar with uh with talking to one of the other comedians i don't even step foot until somebody goes hey i'm gonna give this person the light so they're, they're gonna get off stage in two minutes you can get ready and then i'll walk into the room you know uh they'll close out and i'll step on stage and that's it there's just zero thought to it and then once i'm done get back out there and either continue talking or watching the game on the television if i'm sticking around so like nothing some happened, some days like it's nothing. just routine yeah, yeah. but that's because but that's kind of what you want because you're just that proficient about it. It's not that you don't care. Yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. that I know what I'm doing at this point and I, I reserve the, it, it would kind of be like, not to equate it to being a surgeon, but uh, you, you know, it's a big deal for the patient and it's yeah, a big deal sure. for the audience. But the surgeon, I don't think is like freaking out before every surgery. You'd actually rather the surgeon get there and you know, whatever, read a newspaper or read a book, wash his hands, go in there, do the surgery, uh, wash up after that and be done with it. Yeah, it you want it to be a routine because it's confidence if you know what you're doing. So 
you know, that's why I don't, you know, it's not that you don't care. It's just that, yeah, I know what I'm doing. So you save all the worry and thought about it for when you actually get up there and do it. And then you do your thinking while you're up there. Yeah. Then you read the room or whatever. Depending on the night, sometimes I kind of like, if I'm hosting a show or I generally like to step in there a minute or two beforehand and see what the, what the other comedians are joking about and read the room. I prefer to do that, but not always. Yeah. So has it ever come a time, let's say uh, you did a club maybe a month ago, and then you go back and you see that a comedian stole your jokes. What's your reaction? Uh, you know what? That's never happened to me, to be quite honest. I've never had it happen, um, you know, because my jokes are the best and they're so original that nobody <laughs> could take them. Uh, that's never happened to me yet. Um, generally, I've heard things that are similar, but I always chalk it up to, okay, you know, if it's not the exact same phrasing or the same, you can t- t- touch on other subjects. Or Sometimes I'll write something that, you know, sometimes literally I'll write something and think about it and I go, well, somebody else must have also come up with this idea. Yeah. And every once in a while that's true. I, I like, you know, I remember tweeting out when Joan Rivers died because I love Joan Rivers. She was fantastic. Yeah. But I remember tweeting out, you know, she died doing what she loves, having plastic surgery. And in hindsight, it, I mean, even at that moment I thought, okay, somebody else must have come up with this, but whatever. It's a dumb little tweet. And sure enough, like, ah, you're stealing a bit. It's like, all right, relax. We, I'm, I know I'm not the first and only person that has thought yeah. that particular thought. But the, that one, maybe I was like, yeah, I should have not tweeted it, but yeah. just, you know, whatever. I would assume that the person is, yeah, but if, if it was if it was a joke, it's, you know, that's also why you want to, when you craft them, you specifically word them in such a way that if someone steals the bit, it's like, oh, man. Yeah. You really went out of your way to steal it. So I don't know. I'm, I'm unfortunately the wrong person to ask. I've never had that happen. Uh, most comedians, however, are kind of pussy, so they don't say anything. It's <laughs> the truth about it, and it depends on who so the comedian just, is. If it's somebody above it? you, <laughs> I don't know. You just keep doing it and hope you don't do the same rooms and you hold a grudge. That's, a lot of comedians, unfortunately, are, you know, they're non-confrontational. Uh, I'm like mid-confrontational. I pick my battles, but I, yeah. at some point I will have some confrontations about something and other stuff I kind of let go. Yeah. And go, all right, whatever. What about what about gigs? Let's say uh, someone who, you know, you, you worked hard and you feel you might be slightly more talented, but they got a gig that you wanted. How, how do you, how do you, inter- how do you uh, interact with that? How do you, how do you deal with that? That happens every single second of every day and of every moment that I do comedy. <laughs> uh, comedy is not comedy is completely unfair. Okay. Just like most of life is unfair. Sure. Um, uh, you know, there's plenty of people at any day job that I've ever worked where you go, this person is an idiot. How did they get promoted to do anything? <laughs> well, it's the same thing with comedy. It's it's not necessarily the best person who gets on TV. There's yeah. plenty of people who think that are have. There's plenty of people who I have seen in my life in front of an audience, bore an audience to tears, who are making quite a nice living doing comedy and who for some reason are allowed to consistently just, to paraphrase the great Pat Cooper, they should be arrested for loitering in front of an audience (laughs) because uh, they are doing nothing up there and they make quite a nice living for themselves doing comedy. 
Yeah. Um, it's not about being the best, unfortunately. You'd like to think that the cream always rises to the top, but it, sometimes it's who you know. Um, but you have to deal with that, and you have to work. You have to figure out what works for you. And I'm still sorting that out, to be quite honest. You know, I haven't gotten a TV spot. I almost had one. Um, I think I was supposed to do Letterman years ago. And unfortunately, the person who was booking it while I was there uh, had to resign. Basically, they were fired, let's be honest. Um, and then that went away. And so, but that doesn't mean anything to anybody. Me almost doing a TV show has no yeah. significance. Yeah. So all you can do is look at it and go, well, you know, I wish if this, this could have been what, you know, so you uh, could have, would have, should have. But the question is, there's only two options, stop or go. That's it. It's two gears. There's no reverse. It's stop or go. Do we want to keep going or do we want to stop? And ultimately, I want to keep going because, well, what else am I going to do? Yeah, you know, sure. I can find other things to do, but what else? I don't enjoy those as much as I want to do this. All right. That's actually, I want to close that because that's actually probably one of the most uh, very uh, inspiring point. But you just you just keep going. It's, just, it's your passion. That's it. Uh, yeah. You just keep going. And thank yeah. you, Harry, I want to thank you so much, so much for your time. I really, really appreciate it. Um, I'm a fan of your show. Um, I, I I check out your comedy sometimes on YouTube, even though you haven't updated oh. in a while. But uh, yeah, I, I, I haven't, it. man. I'm not gonna lie. You're right. That's <laughs> one of the things I gotta fix. You're right. Yeah. I'm being um. Um, being, I'm also very selective about what I put up there, uh, but okay. I got to be a little less selective. I got to start tossing. I'm going to toss some new stuff up there soon, though. I promise. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. Thank you so, so much, man. Hey, man. Anytime. All right, there you have it. That's my interview with Harry Tarjanian. Told you it was a cool episode. <laughs> like I said, I, I was trying to to make a comedian laugh. It didn't really work, but um, definitely had a cool conversation. Got into some deep stuff about purpose and, and passion, and that's kind of the things that I, that I'm into. This, uh, of course, this podcast is a passion project, but it's something that I'm trying to develop into, you know, maybe a career in radio, career in uh, hosting. So I'm I'm trying to follow my passion, but I'm also trying to reconcile, you know, doing the quote unquote right thing, having the uh, quote unquote right career so it's um, definitely a juggling act and it's good to have conversations with people like Harry who is doing the same juggling act making sure he's taking care of his responsibilities but also <clears throat> sorry but he's taking care of his responsibilities but also following his passion and pursuing his passion so definitely that conversation helped me and I know it's other people out there who are doing the same thing who's doing the side hustle Along with their regular 9 to 5 So Great, great, great information Thank you again, Harry Check out Beige Phillip The Beige Phillip Show podcast It's, it's a very, very funny podcast that they have And um What else can I say? What else can I say? Also Email me J at AverageJ.com J at AverageJ.com Email me your, your comments Your, your thoughts who should be on the who should be a guest on the show, who you liked, what you don't like about the show. All all of the feedback is necessary. I get a lot of feedback. <clears throat> a lot of cool feedback, especially from the uh the uh Sevilla Morgan. It was 
definitely a different conversation that it started. And um, I appreciate that. And I think this Harry Tarjani episode is going to start another conversation. So definitely email me, j at averagej.com. Follow me on Instagram, I Hate Average Podcast. We always show our upcoming guests and other information about the show. Definitely want to start getting to some events, so definitely follow us on Instagram so you can get information on any events that we're going to have coming up this summer. And uh, talk to you guys next week.